0: Welcome to the Getting Head Aces uh, supplement webinar. Uh, I'm Phil Deval, and Adrian Elder will be on with me. And we're gonna be talking about bringing two uh, national efforts together. Uh, the Bridges movement has been going on since uh, 1999, I guess, when the first Bridges book was written and communities have been using that for years. Uh, and Uh, engaging different sectors in the work and using getting ahead and just getting by world to engage people who are in poverty. And so we're in 48 states and seven other countries. And we have a a pretty solid approach to uh, poverty that that people appreciate and the outcomes are good from it. Uh, But uh, there are other people that are suffering in in ways that we need to be aware of and uh, engage in the work that we do. And Adrian Elder was able to use uh, getting ahead with people that have experienced ACEs. That's adolescent, uh, I'm sorry, adverse childhood experiences and the trauma-informed world that's out there doing this kind of work too and building communities in much the same way that we're doing it in Bridges to address these systemic issues and personal issues that people have. So her ex- experience in Oklahoma City with this uh, inspired us to put together this supplement that adds two sessions to getting ahead and brings our work in our communities together. Uh, there's so much that we can add by bringing our uh, our work together. So it's a real joy to um, introduce Adrian. And she's going to take it from here and then we'll kind of hand off as we go through the rest of the workshop.
1: Great. Well, um, I thank you for um, just letting me be here. And I've had such a a great time working uh, with you, Phil, and and developing this. And a little bit kind of about myself and how I came to this work is for the past uh, 15 years, I have been writing uh, grants and doing research and working with community coalitions around uh, vulnerable families and kind of systemic issues. And my background is public health. And and then I came to the Bridges work in 2012. And it was uh, it, one of those lightning bolt, you know, aha moments for me um, as a, a systems thinker and saw a lot of communities trying to solve the same problems over and over on their own. And, and when looking at kind of these, um, you know, how to bring organizations together and communities, uh, community stakeholders together, um, I really felt like bridges was one of the missing pieces. And then I became a getting ahead facilitator in 2016. And um, that has been one of the most rewarding uh, uh, professional experiences that I've had uh, because it is engaging um, peers and you know letting them have these amazing conversations with each other and learning all of us learning from each other and and so as um, and then this as fires as with the aces and and trauma informed work i became aware of that um, probably in the past 5 years and just seeing how these two efforts can really complement each other um, I think is is just going to be a, a game changer I, I, I truly believe that because peer support groups um, are such an essential piece of creating that pipeline of community leaders um, so um, with uh, this slide um, as I'm advancing there we go um, this is just kind of a uh, a primer of some of the mental models that we'll be sharing today Um, as as Phil mentioned, we have you know two audiences. Uh, we have the um, ACEs champions across the country that are doing trauma-informed work that can use peer support groups to kind of amplify their efforts. And then we have Bridges and Getting Ahead audience that um, obviously are already using peer support groups, but that could, if they're not already, become more involved with ACEs coalitions and and really amplify each other's uh, each other's work so we'll go through today on on how those efforts can combine and again this is an overview uh, we will be doing a more in-depth training uh, in the future and so we'd love for you to join us for that but this gives you kind of a quick idea of what this is about and and how we'd love to work with you and, and help you with your communities so i'm um, kind of connecting the dots um, this, um, as you've seen this slide um, before, this is a community resilience mental model that any community can use. And and why we start with this is you want to always have that strength-based approach. You want uh, any community, any individual has inherent strengths and you want to build on those to create a strong foundation. And And so as you see in the roots, uh, when you have these connected systems and supports, and and people are working together and collaborating, um, you have families who are thriving, right? You have you can have uh, adults and and households that are feel supported and they are healthy and they're and they are uh, they are resilient. And so when we talk about the process for creating community resilience just like Bridges, um, it's that systemic approach. And We recognize that in order for any change to happen, all of these domains have to be in sync. Um, Individual, interpersonal, organizational, community, and public policy, they all have to be in sync um, in order for change to happen or change to happen more quickly. Um, This is a quick slide on um, equality and equity and justice, and it's it's this is really focused around resources. Um, you know, in in the past, it's if equality, everyone you know has distributed the same number of resources, well still some people are not able to thrive. Um, but when you are more targeted and intentional, then. Then people can have an equal opportunity to to thrive, and then this is an addition which I thought was great as far as then the systemic barrier is removed, um, so that as they are able to thrive, uh, there's not that barrier um, in the uh, that's preventing them from uh, from moving forward. So as a community tool. Uh, for the past several years, uh, 2017 was when this resilience film uh, was released, and it is a 60-minute documentary. And it is a I, we really encourage this to be shown after Module Three with Getting Ahead, um, and or in your community just to build a common language around uh, what trauma is, what adverse childhood experiences, and what communities can do to heal, um, to to do some reconciliation work um, from historical trauma, cultural trauma, individual trauma. Um, This really just opens the door to some really meaningful conversations. And so we we definitely uh, promote this and highly recommend using it. Um, So as we mentioned, this slide um, regarding the tree, we started with a community resilience slide where it's, everything is green, right? Everything is thriving. Well, in some communities, this pair of aces really, this image really helps to describe how, when there is poverty and discrimination and community disruption, um, that you know, lack of opportunity and poor housing and violence, right? These roots, these barren roots um, are are toxic. Um, it is a very toxic environment for families, and there is that prolonged activation of stress. And what happens is is this environment, without protective relationships, without this protective environment, there are a higher risk for then all of the adverse childhood experiences that you see um, at the end of the branches. Um, so you then have those individual adverse um Um, experiences with violence and substance abuse and and so forth. And so this is a great community tool, again, a mental model that helps um, to explain what is happening and really focusing on the root causes and why getting ahead is aligned with building stability um, and creating that trust and resilience through those peer support groups. So uh, when we talk about um, how to kind of uh, walk hand in hand, the Aces community and the Bridges community. We want to show that these guiding principles uh, through the CDC and SAMHSA um, are very much aligned with what getting ahead is about. Uh, we create a you know a safe environment. We um, have those rules, those class uh, you know group rules around trustworthiness and transparency. Uh, the the peer group of of uh, eight to twelve people really support each other during this whole process and develop those authentic relationships and and then there's that collaboration um, and mutuality as they have that uh, pipeline of leadership and they become more involved in the community they can uh, they feel empowered they are able to use their their voice to express what barriers not only what they're having but really, barriers that they're experiencing in the communities, right? The systemic, those root causes of um, of barriers in their in their neighborhoods, um, and again, within all the context of those culture and historical and gender issues. So they have some really meaningful and deep conversations, and opens the door to um, understanding. Um, and realizing, right, they, you have a lot of perspectives. You have di- a very diverse group of people, and for the first time, they're having they're sitting down and seeing eye to eye, which is just a beautiful thing to witness. Um, and so, uh, this is another uh, great resource. You know, as these thought leaders across the the world um, at Harvard um, are really focusing on these three principles for improving outcomes for children and families. And they focus on three things, reducing sources of stress, supporting responsive relationships, and strengthening core life skills. And as you know, Phil will go into describing more about getting ahead, but with uh, reducing sources of stress, getting ahead can, um, obviously there's a family meal, uh, there's childcare, they provide transportation if needed. And they also provide a stipend. And so that reducing of stress is is so critical. They support responsive relationships uh, because it's an 18 week course. Then, you know, they have time. They meet weekly for, you know, um, for several hours each week. And they're able to really develop those authentic relationships to help them through this process and then strengthening core life skills. Um, As Phil will mention about getting ahead is that there are um, 11 domains and of these core life skills that they are developing over those 18 weeks. And so we are very excited that this aligns with some of the the great thought uh, leaders um, across the the country. So I will, um, this is, I'll go quickly through this slide. Uh, National Family Support Network, there are family resource centers. I think there's 3,000 of them across the country that can are really a great, also another great fit for uh, getting ahead for supporting peer support groups at those family resource centers. And there's the national trauma campaign that really is, you know, when we're talking about the systemic um, and the kind of the socio-ecological framework from individual all the way up to policy is creating this pipeline of that voice and choice, right? So when we have individuals from these peer support groups that are um, able to share the barriers, make sure there's a clear pipeline all the way up to policy. And so this national trauma campaign, you know, would be a great fit for getting ahead and Bridges communities to align with them and and let those policy changes really be um, be improved throughout the country. So I will um, pass it on over to Phil so we stay on time.
0: Okay, well thanks Adrian. So for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, getting ahead, I thought I would take a few minutes and kind of go over what that's like and uh, and do this again very quickly and hope that you'll join us for a facilitator training that will take place in the future. Uh, this book came out in 04 and the, you see the facilitator notes and and on the left is the workbook that the investigators get we uh we don't refer to people that come into getting ahead as clients or uh, students uh, we think or participants we think of them as investigators the idea being that you're in charge of your own learning and that you're going to investigate the impact that poverty has on you and your community so uh, you know we make a big deal about it being a safe place and that's really important that has to do with the building you choose the room you're in And so we're pretty detailed about making that a a good, safe place for people to meet. And uh, there are the ideal number of people to do do this with is 12. You want a lot of experience in the room. And if you have more than uh, 12, it's like there's not enough time for everybody to talk. So 12 is the ideal number. And that, that means that you have all the wisdom and experience from 12 different people. And the more diverse, the better. So the conversations get very rich that way. And we meet uh, once or twice a week uh, for about two and a half to three hours. Uh, and uh, so we create group rules. And this makes it uh, a lot a lot safer, of course. Uh, this is written at the uh, seventh grade reading level. And uh, half of the learning is in the discussion and half of the learning is in the content. So we really rely on discussions a lot. We use mental models because they stick in your head better. Uh, Words tend to go in one ear and out the other, but mental models stick. And everything we talk about is relevant to the people that are in the group. Uh, So they're the ones that uh, carry the conversation and do the investigations. One of the more difficult things is to uh, create a discrepancy between what is and what can be. There's lots of things about living in poverty that are really painful things. And uh, so this can be a difficult uh, thing to do. This is hard work for people. But we do intentionally create a discrepancy between what is. We're very emphatic about that. It happens in the first module. And then from then on, people can begin to think and dream about a different future story. So uh, that's kind of part of the methodology. Um, this has to do with who's in the group. Uh, we, we pick, you know, we go out and recruit. And uh, then we have a, a pool of people to choose from. And we try to get the diversity in there. And that goes by age uh able-bodiedness uh gender life experiences but you want to have a, the group members stable enough that they can attend every session and if there's a an episode going on a relapse of some sort or domestic violence or, or homelessness in such a way that you can't make every one of the 18 sessions we would say when things calm down a bit join us because you need to attend every session that we're in and then at the other end of the continuum, where there are some people that are fairly stable, I would say getting ahead is used by people at the bottom 40% of our economy. And that means that several or of any uh, group that you run have had quite a bit of stability, might have actually lived a middle-class lifestyle for a while, but now they're in trouble. Uh, so you don't want it to get out of balance with too many people from the middle-class experience point of view. You want to keep this focused on the people that are struggling the most, But you need the voices of people that have uh, been in those kind of, they have a job, they have a a degree maybe. Uh, You want them to be sharing their ideas too. So the makeup is uh, chosen pretty carefully there uh, so that we get the right mix of people. So we call it the kitchen table learning experience. And this person who's standing up is pointing at something, but even the facilitator is always seated. There's no teaching from the front of the room standing up. The facilitator is essentially another uh, co-investigator, we call ourselves, and she or he will learn as much from the group as the group itself will. So that's just kind of what it might look like when people are sitting down together. Uh, and then you make your group rules and uh, you know, so that every group makes its own rules. Uh, this happened to have come from Scotland. Uh, and so we don't say this is what your rule should be, but uh, you know there are some that we would definitely recommend that you have, but that makes the group uh, meetings safe. The uh, The very first thing we do is, is uh, after hello and the group rules, is uh, what's poverty like in your community? And right away, the group is doing the talking and the investigators listening and learning. So this is one of those instances where uh, people in poverty are the experts. So why would someone in middle class be trying to tell them what poverty is? So this is a two-dimensional drawing and words that come from the stories they tell but the story, stories are really poignant and oftentimes there's even tears at this point and I think of this as three-dimensional it's just a huge pile of information and stories that the group is generating and about what it's like to be in poverty so we start out with that and then we take a look at um, how much of your income goes for housing? So that gets us thinking about wages and things like that. And uh, the kind of problems that we face. And we do some more digging into the rules of money and so on and uh, to get ourselves thinking about the next layer of this, right? And we talk about how people are problem solvers. I think what happens in our society is that individuals in poverty are seen as the problem. But in our work, we see people in poverty as problem solvers. And they're beating out fires all the time. The only difference is, and this is one of our, you know, old standby jokes is when a car breaks down, a middle-class person calls AAA, but a person in poverty calls Uncle Ray. So where money takes care of it in the middle-class in poverty, people are relying on each other. So it's all about relationships and about solving problems together, but you are a problem solver. Even so, if you're beset by a whole lot of problems, it drives you into what I call the tyranny of the moment. and studies done by like the one in the book Scarcity, and I'll just read this to you when your bandwidth your your mental bandwidth so so you're now you don't have you're, you're squished into the tyranny of the moment. you don't have time for the abstract, you're in the concrete world. He says you're just more likely not to notice things, you're more likely not to resist things you ought to resist, you're more likely to forget things you're going to have less patience, less attention to devote to your children when they come home from school. It's a really good description of the tyranny of the moment. So that is a big problem. And in module two, we take that on uh, by sharing our theory of change with people so that they can address that particular issue. So uh, this is the theory of change as drawn by uh, an individual. What our facilitators are trained to do, and the only mental model they ever draw is this one as an example to the group, and then the group kind of makes their own, and this is the one that came from a, a mobile home park in, in Minnesota, and uh, I love it because they added flames to on the left side of that to what life is like now, you know, so this is what life is like, and it's on fire, we're beating up fires all the time. And then we use this to talk about the need to be able to get to the abstract and exactly how to do that. So this theory of change is transparent. Uh, People come to our agencies all the time. And typically if you ask how many agencies you've gone to in the last year, it can be as many as 10 or 12. And most of those want you to change the way you think and behave, but very rarely do they share their theory of change with you. So in our second module, we go like, Here's we're just as transparent as can be. This is how we think change takes place. And if you like it, use it. So it becomes a tool for them as they, as they move through. Oops, I need to go back one. Uh, the next thing we do is uh, take a look at the broader context in which you live. So we talk about the four causes of poverty. We talk about how the middle class was built. We talk about wealth creation. And this puts much more context to poverty than just what's going on in your life. And so this is research that's done on the causes of poverty. And the first column is about individual choice and behavior. And that's where conservatives are coming from and their think tanks and so on. And they do research on that. And they kind of focus on that as the cause of poverty. At the other end, on the right side, you have where progressives and liberals are coming from. And they look at political economic structures as a major cause. And so, in our world today, this is no surprise, it turns into either-or. But in Bridges communities, we can attract people from the left and right because we acknowledge the research they do, and then we just add two more columns to it. And one is, where you live matters. And so, what's happening in your community can be a cause of poverty, or it can be a way out of poverty. And then the last column that we talk about is exploitation. And that has to do with all the forms of exploitation that are going on that are aimed directly at people of poverty, and that's where people first figure out that that theory of change really helps because payday lenders and other predators base their business model on the fact that you're in the tyranny of the moment and you want solutions right now, and they want to give you those solutions, but they don't tell you what the eventual cost is for you. So this becomes a theory of change that they can use immediately. So uh, this is a thinking tool that we have that's based on uh, that four causes of poverty. So our getting ahead graduates uh, introduce, tell us about uh, financial literacy needs because uh, they've been running into payday lenders, right? And so they, they bring the problem to us and then we go, well, how can we address this at the individual level? And what can we do in our community? and and ESSDL is an employer-supported small-dollar loan program. So that becomes a solution that's being used in several bridges communities as it is now. And then you go, well, what do you do about exploitation? And and so there are uh, legal, uh, well, there's attorneys that are brought into this either as pro bono or part of uh, an agreement or a partnership in the city that you're in to help people. And then finally, the idea is to go after uh, policy changes. So the the active ingredient in this are the getting ahead graduates. So that's the kind of thing that comes out of of module two and three. Now this is uh, where we look at uh, mental models of poverty, middle class, and wealth. So now we're in poverty, and we're learning about uh, people in middle class. We're learning about people in wealth, and and uh, and analyzing the different points of view. Now this all comes about when you have income inequality like we do in this country. So people are buying houses as segregation by housing. So the wealthiest folks live down long driveways, uh, the middle class around the best schools and people in poverty elsewhere. And we don't know each other like we used to. And there's a lot of judgment flying around about one another. And so in bridges communities by understanding the different environments we live in, we also find out about each other's hidden rules. And then we begin to work with each other and the judgments go away and we begin to talk about how can we make a better community for everybody? So this is, uh, you know, this is when people begin thinking, oh yeah, there's different ways of looking at this. And then we get into the hidden rules of class. And I think, uh, and we get into issues of how do you, we, there's a whole sequence on it. What do you do with your time? Right, so there are different sequences that run through getting ahead. But the the hidden rules on on, uh, the driving force, for example, in poverty, the driving force is survival, in middle class, the driving force is work and achievement, and in wealth, it's about connections. So there's a number of, of these, and what happens is that where we used to use hidden rules to separate ourselves from each other, we now use the hidden rules of class to understand each other better and learn how to navigate. You know, yeah, working together in the employment sector or in schools or in healthcare, we can do much better work when we have a common language. So, the hidden rules are a big help when it comes to uh, building better relationships. We study language, this is where relationships get made and, and, and broken. And uh, it's, uh, for example, uh, in the agency I ran, I come from the addiction field and use these ideas right away. Um, most people in poverty are, are uh, using the, the casual register. Uh, proper grammar and syntax doesn't matter so much, but the formal register is where the middle class and our agencies come from. And I did a client life cycle about what the experience was of people coming to our agency. And I found out that we were insulting our clients from poverty in 15 seconds. And that's because we had a receptionist that had an attitude about people that don't speak standard American English. And she would give people the look. Well, boy, that gave us something to work on, and we swept through our entire agency and applied all these ideas to get better outcomes and better relationships with people that were coming from different classes. So the language piece cannot be emphasized too much, as because that's where things get the relationship get made or broken. So uh, going on, uh, we define poverty. Uh, this is very important in our work, and we think we'll be paying for this because. Instead of thinking of money as the only way of defining it, Ruby named 11 resources. You can see the list of them at the top of this. Well, in getting ahead, we examine these, and then we do a self-assessment. And this person's is pretty grim. I mean, her mental resources are high, but everything else is a one and a two. And uh, the woman who did this, who shared it with us, uh, said that she went to the restroom and wept for 20 minutes when she saw this. And uh, when she came out of the out of the out of the restroom, her motivation, uh, which is one of the ways out of poverty, went from a one to a four. And she said, "You know, I was raised in generational poverty. I want to give my kids a better shot. So I'm going to do this and this and this." And she had made her plan. So that gives all of us, individuals, institutions, communities, eleven things we could do to build resources to help people get out of poverty. We also do, because we have these two storylines going, in Getting Ahead, we have the community and the individual, the community and the individual. It's never just about the individual when you come to poverty. So if we do an assessment on ourselves, we do one on the community as well. And it's a bar chart too, you know, so these stick in your mind. Uh, So the community, the Getting Ahead graduates go out and meet people. Uh, they, They use all that they've been learning so far and language and hidden rules and all that kind of stuff. And go and meet people and make relationships with them and then ask them difficult questions about, uh, you know, you're in charge of the economy here in the community. You're an economic development person. Uh, Tell us uh, what's the trend line on the number of people in poverty. Is it going up or down? And so they do that across uh, these different indicators and then come back and make a bar chart of it. So we're always very conscious of poverty not being about just the individual, but it's about things people and institutions and communities can act on, too. And then the folks in uh, Getting Ahead uh, do an assessment of their own resources, and they kind of look at what are the resources I'm doing that just help me get by or maintain me in poverty, and what are the resources that I'm using to get ahead, or what could I change from a Getting By to a Getting Ahead? So a quick example, uh, metropolitan housing is a wonderful wonderful thing, but you, if you make too much money, you lose it. So it's a getting by resource. It's wonderful to have. We're not knocking that. But getting head graduates that are in there begin to think, there's a job I want. The risk I'm going to take is to step off this uh, shaky safety net to a shaky ladder to a better job that may not be there later, but I take the risk, right? So that becomes a getting ahead resource that that person has done. Habitat for Humanity is is a wealth-creating mechanism, so it's a getting-ahead resource. So we encourage in the investigators to analyze their own resources. Then we go to the institutions and say, what are you doing? And then we go to the community, and what do you do about all these resources? And, so, and then we go to funders. Where are you putting your money? So this is a great thinking tool for all of us. The... Uh, if this will advance. Adrian, you might see if you can advance. It seems to be stuck on my ah. Okay. At at the end, people make a smart plan, and that's hard work. And then that gets turned into a mental model of my future story. So you can see the woman in this in this uh, drawing, she's in jail. And that's her real life, it's in color. Her dream world is her future story. And you can see what she thinks of agency. She wants to be free of standing in lines. And in that world, in her real world, her future story, she wants to have be able to sleep, something that she can't do in her real world. So people make these powerful uh, mental models to carry in their heads, to represent the smart plans that they've made that are all these detailed, uh, things that they need to do uh, to get to where they want to go. You'll need to advance it again, Adrian. Okay. I think I wore out my button or something. <laughs> we are stuck. Oh, there we are. Uh, one other thing that the group does, and I think this plays really well into uh, the work of trauma-informed uh, folks, is is the uh, uh, negotiating skills and so this is dealt with in uh, the the language module but it's so important that when people begin taking charge of their own affairs and uh, making the argument for change in their community and joining the planning and decision making tables that they have these skills so it's one more thing that we're making uh, available to the uh to the investigators as they go through Here's uh, another mental model I love. The first one on the left side, it's talking about what it was like on your first day, my my life now, and then the future story that this person is going to um, use their smart plans to achieve. And you can see the, her uh, description of poverty on the left side. It's uh, you know job one, job two, job three, car bills, car repairs. Uh, the clock is running, it's 4 a.m., it's stressful. Uh, what a perfect description of poverty and then she's going to go to a community college and uh, get a a 4.0 get a degree she said a budget is not a it's not a bad word and have happy kids in an umbrella for a rainy day so these represent the the smart goals uh, that people are uh, developing Uh, so I I love mental models it's also a lot about our work is about building social capital. The people in poverty live in a world of bonding capital. It's like Uncle Ray who's going to help you solve problems. Uh, but when you they learn about the value of bridging social capital, which is about meeting, and greeting others. Now in a bridges community, the people in bridges that are trained are learning about this too. So now they're really open to being uh, building bridging capital with others. So you get the whole community willing to do that. Different agencies that all work with people in poverty, and that just accelerates, you know, the possibility of people getting out of poverty when they have all those connections in the community. So we're, So my final thing I want to say to you is uh, that this educational uh, work is best described by Paulo Ferrari. And so I'll put it this way, uh, our getting ahead, our one only agenda is not to have an agenda for the people that are in it. Our facilitators are told that you cannot connect the dots for someone else. You cannot make the argument for change for them. you got to leave your agenda out of it. You have to allow people to pick out what it is exactly they want to do, and you are neutral throughout this. Now the rest of the group can challenge each other and so on and so forth, but people in poverty will tell you. The guys in prison that helped us with the book said, there's 44 programs in this prison. This is the first time it wasn't a middle-class guy at the front of the room telling us what to do. So here's where the learning takes place with the people in the group. So listen to this. There's no such thing as a neutral educational process. Education either functions as an instrument that is used to facilitate the integration of the younger generation into the logic of the present system. And bring about conformity to it. Or education becomes a practice of freedom the means by which men and women deal critically and creatively with reality and discover how to participate in the transformation of their world. That is the magic of getting ahead. So that's why people uh, love it. That's why facilitators love it. And that's why we think that you should be using this as well. I'll we'll yeah, pass I, it on to you,
1: yeah, I love that. I love that slide. Um, Phil and I are talking about kind of the the transition between our, our work and and I think you know the, the the agenda of not having agenda and and really encouraging um participants to transform their world I think is so powerful and and getting ahead walks people through that process. And as Phil said it there's those two storylines. It's the it's the individual and the community and it takes everyone to really be working together because things are so interconnected, and so um, when we are, you know, talking about those strengths, um, we, as I, you know, mentioned before, there are these, uh, you know, pair bases, and the pair bases tree has been updated uh, through, you know, COVID um, and how that is affecting our communities and our families, and and what common. Trauma that we are all experiencing right now, and obviously some communities who um, are experiencing those adversities, um, you know, are are also um, at a higher risk for for additional adversities. And so this is another great tool that that communities can use to kind of to, to share that. Okay, so um, this this slide is the pair of bases with with COVID. Um, this is a great tool as communities are, you know, dealing with this new reality of this shared uh, traumatic experience. And, you know, with the, with neighborhoods that are um, experiencing, uh, you know, from poverty to discrimination, um, as we mentioned before, and then on top of this, you know, shared traumatic experience, they're going to be at higher risk for Um, additional um, not only you know violence and and um, unemployment um, you know food insecurity and housing instability so this is a great tool that again communities can use to create that common language and shared experience Um, so as you know when we are talking about um, you know these uh, getting ahead classes and what they are doing to Kind of process some of the um, the trauma that they have experienced and really creating those pathways of, of of getting out of pathways of getting ahead. This is an example of a mental model that was created um, by our getting ahead investigators, and it really just shows this cycle of chaos. Um, as Phil mentioned, this you know tyranny of the moment and how this trap i mean this, this is the ring of fire um that really is kind of breaks down how it becomes uh it can be become a a generational cycle if there are not some community resources um and and these and and these uh like these peer support groups like getting ahead where you can go from the concrete to the abstract and really make those those pathways, those off-roads um, off of this, of this cycle. Um, this is another example of a um, resource that our Getting Ahead graduates created. Uh, this was a two-on-one poster uh, with their visuals um, on the left, which is, is great as far as re- decreasing the literacy barriers. Um, but on the right, and we took off some numbers because they were specific to their location. But on the right, they created this language um, that, you know, you are not alone anymore. Uh, they talked about that when, you know, before these peer support groups, um, before getting ahead, they felt alone. They felt like no one else was having these types of experiences. And as they realized that so many people, were trapped and didn't realize that there were these these getting ahead resources in their community. They wanted to create a poster to share uh, with with their with their neighbors and their friends. And so this is something that was created back in 2018. And an amazing thing, and again how this relates to the community is that when uh COVID happened and the shutdown, this poster was used to connect communities to resources. Um, it was uh, placed on uh, in, in schools and in their front yard, um, in the front where there are some meal drop-offs, uh, meal pickups with schools who are distributing food and meals to families. They had this poster um, in a yard sign basically to, to encourage that connection to additional resources. So I thought that was a, a great example. Another A tool that is in Getting Ahead of Aces, and we'll describe this more in the training. Um, But this is, you know, a lot of people feel like they're spinning their wheels. Like we've talked about that tyranny of the moment. We've talked about that circle of fire and an understanding of, you know, this amazing research that's coming out of, you know, with new uh, neuroscience and understanding of kind of metacognition and how the brain is hijacked when it experiences this toxic stress this this chronic uh, cycle of um, of stress and this is a easy mental model that can be used in peer support groups to get out of the ditch you know what are some small steps that can be taken to uh to motivate to move out to you know take these uh, quick action steps that can take only takes two minutes but it gets you on the right path. And so you're not ruminating, the brain is not ruminating and and getting stuck in in that chaos. And and as Phil said, there's problem solving skills um, just continue to to strengthen and become more abstract um, throughout this process. Um, These are some of the outcomes. Um, These are double digit gains um, across all of these domains, which is it's just amazing to see the results, and and as a group, and uh, this is you know this is an average um, after six months of graduation, so this is just an exciting to see that it's that really does make a, a big difference. Um, this is a you know as communities are are looking at how to become trauma informed, um, as we know this is an ongoing process. It's um, the ongoing learning is so critical. But this is a breakdown of as communities are engaging with a variety of sectors in their, in their community, focusing on those trauma-informed principles. And what does that you know, look like to really not just be aware of that and building that common language, but then what does that look like with policies and, and, and procedures? And uh, What does that look like to actually implement, to start implementing? Um, those trauma informed policy and procedures and practices. And then, as those are tweaked and become really a part of day to day, it's really about maintenance and just ongoing learning. Um, and, and as we really focus on those root solutions, uh, reducing sources of stress, creating supportive responsive relationships, and strengthening core life skills, if those three ingredients can be embedded. Um, not just with uh, with clients um, or you know or patients, but with staff, because a lot of staff have also experienced um, you know traumatic experiences, whether in childhood or as adults, and they may need those extra supports so that um, the the staff, the personnel can can also remain stable and, and thrive. This is a quick example also of, um, of this is Michigan, um, they are on their journey of becoming trauma informed and they had created this logic model, this comprehensive strategy to address ACEs and trauma and focused on kind of you know what are some assets um, and capacity and they looked at expanding and building the capacity of the coalition, um, increasing diversity, uh, funding to address ACEs and improve resilience, um, improving data collection, improving the adoption and use of technologies. But one of the things that uh, this ACES coalition could use that could, you know, that can be the rocket fuel, that can be the high octane fuel uh, for this initiative is adding peer support groups, having a pipeline of engage, really meaningfully engage individuals who are healing from trauma that can add to the voice of this movement and really amplify uh, what those barriers are so that we can in- address those at the systemic and policy levels. So this, uh, this slide again um, just highlights those key ingredients for you know, how we are incorporating getting ahead in the ACEs communities and and we look forward to going into more depth into the into the trainings and so we look forward we encourage you to um you know to register online um i'm going to turn this back over to Phil because i thought this was such a great example of a getting ahead graduate who uh wrote a letter about the impact of of getting ahead
0: uh actually i can't see it very well can you read it for us
1: sure so uh this getting ahead graduate says Getting ahead has been a total game changer for me. Before I started the class, I was living in a sight house for people with disabilities. I suffer from severe social anxiety and horrible depression. I was jobless and had a failing relationship with my kids. After attending the class and graduating, I have a full-time job and renting my own place and my relationships with my kids is thriving. Getting ahead has not only taught me how to get out of poverty, it has lifted my self-esteem, taught me about world poverty, social stigmas, and just a general knowledge of people that struggle with poverty. My support system has never been stronger. I'm making new friends and supports daily. I was always the one asking for help, but now people are coming to me for it. I cannot stress the importance and power of getting ahead. I now have hope for the future instead of fear of it. So, It's such a meaningful and powerful uh, testament. Um, And Phil, I'm so glad you shared that with me.
0: It couldn't have come at a better time, huh? Yeah. I uh, have a couple things to show you here about uh, mental models that people create because People in poverty want to give back. That's something you can absolutely be sure of. They live in a relationship-based world anyway. And so this is from uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, many years ago. But we we create a community, a mental model of community prosperity. So this person turned it into the uh, the game of life. And uh, it's very specific to, to bridges and getting ahead in poverty. So it's just a, a beautiful thing that someone did. This is how creative people can be. Um, so just to show you that you can count on people wanting to give back. The the other thing I'd like to share with you is um, a, a series of uh, paintings that hang in the mental health agency at the Menominee Nation uh, the, in Wisconsin. It's the, the Menominee people uh, th- that uh, used getting ahead a few years ago. And uh, when it came to uh, During the getting in classes, they came to module three. When we had the context about uh, wealth creating mechanisms and so on and so forth and sort of the history of poverty, the uh, elders, a couple of elders came in and uh, participated in doing uh, module three. So uh, this is their past. And you can see their rituals. They raised uh, rice. We need to go back. they raised uh, rice, they did fishing, the medicine wheel is bright. You can see the kind of homes that they lived in and they had all their traditions uh, that were strong. And then uh, along came the the next slide, which is about poverty, oh, there we are. Uh, the, this is when they hit the rapids. The medicine wheel went pale and you can see what was written in the middle of the rapids, but more importantly, you can see the boarding school experience represented by the train in the in the lower left-hand corner. And what they were able to do was uh, talk about the historical trauma that the Menominee people faced, of which boarding schools are a big part, and the ramifications and meaning of that in the tribe today. Because some of the people in the tribe were deprived of learning their language, religion, culture, arts, and then that's what, what they didn't have, they couldn't pass on. And so teaching that back became really important. So when you talk about trauma, uh, we're talking about all of it, right? We're talking about the cultural trauma that people go through in different uh, ethnic groups, and people of color uh, must have this kind of trauma at a higher level, just like the impact of poverty is so much higher in those populations so um we want to just be aware of that that in every community this work is going to look different and needs to look different now their future story looks like this uh they brought back the medicine wheel they brought back their religion they brought back their culture and this is what uh, they want their future to be so i i just think that uh so much of What we do in getting ahead comes to down to mental models and artworks and the sort of the artistic expression of people and that brings such richness to it and it brings the wisdom uh and the experience of everybody in the group into it to make it successful so uh it's going to be a great journey for you if you choose to do this uh i'll turn it back over to you adrian
1: yeah i think you know um as we're talking um, I always uh, take notes because that's how my brain uh, works um, but you know I think as we're kind of you know wrapping up um, it is just a uh, an, an opportunity to to bring you know these two movements together and and I think it's just really exciting to see how how to operationalize trauma-informed work and I know in the, uh, you know, substance abuse and mental health field, uh, there are, you know, treatment, uh, there's great uh, programs like, you know, strengthening uh, families program and celebrating families. Um, but, you know, that is, I think a you know, step upstream to that is the, our getting ahead classes and how communities can implement these peer support groups uh, before things fall apart as well. And so I think this is, is just a great way of, of showing and highlighting this work. Um, I would say this slide is just talking about kind of the process of, if you're wanting to learn more, um, there's a, a Bridges workshop or a Bridges online webinar. There's great recordings uh, that are easily um, accessible and affordable. Uh, they're, in order to become a getting head facilitator, Phil does those trainings. And then we have the Getting Head ACES Mini training that complements that work and, and really shows how to, to what strategies are used to implement some of the supplement within the Getting Head workbook. Um, so what modules do you add, some extra tools and extra activities to really, you know, really tie those things together? Uh, the registration link is, is at the at the bottom. Um, and there is uh, an annual conference. Uh, this one is in September. Uh, most, are all the annual conferences are in September. And so you can also register at the link below. And this is a, uh, a actually, Phil was wondering why I added this. <laughs> and a, a quick side story. Um, my, uh, I have a 10 and 13 year old. And during COVID, we watched a lot of, um, the Harry Potter movies. And one of the quotes um, that Dumbledore said was, you know, words are in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic, uh, capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it. And, um, and when I was, we were all snuggled on the couch watching the, the movie and I was like, you know, that reminds me of, of bridges and getting ahead, and and really trauma informed work because, right, it's all about relationships and and the words we choose um, inside our own head, our relationship with ourselves, um, but also the words we choose and how we engage with others um, is is really world changing, and and how we create those safe and healing spaces for all of us to find words that are healing um, that we can reconcile um, historical and cultural trauma uh, that we reconcile what we have uh, experienced or done to others and how we use that as a fuel to, to move forward and to prevent that from happening in the future. And so, you know, I, I yeah, you know, Phil, I think you know this is a chance um, if there's any questions that we can discuss, and uh, depending on how much time we have left, um, and this is our contact information if if anyone wants additional uh, information.
0: i I don't think we have much time left. Uh, there are so many issues that come up. we've gotten into some great conversations, uh, you and I with others. And I guess, you know, my parting remarks to those of you that are watching this is that really, we really hope they'll join us in this work and in these conversations. Uh, There's a lot of work to do, and we think we have great tools to do to to greet the or deal with the problem. So uh, please join us.